Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello. Good morning. How you guys doing? You ready for this hump day madness that we're about to jump into? Yeah, buddy. There's some uh, interesting stuff. We're about, to, uh, we're about to get into it and talk about all different kinds of things here. On the program as we get ready to go uh, for this morning. Uh, we've got uh, <clears throat> a couple good guests lined up for today, including uh, in this hour, Representative Julie Colomb, who's going to be uh, coming on board to talk with us about her uh, bill regarding uh, uh, daycare assistance and child care, state subsidized child care. Uh, we're going to get some straight details on that. Uh, I have some concerns, and we'll see what comes out of that. Also, uh, in hour two, we're going to be talking with State Senator Mike Schauer, and we'll talk about the education bill, the potential for the veto, and uh, his uh, no vote on that, which should be interesting to get the uh, to get the straight scoop on that. So we're ready to go here and get things going on now. We were going to do some headlines here first, uh, but Representative Cologne cannot stick with us through the whole hour. So we're going to get with her right away and uh, see what's going on. <clears throat> so without further ado, 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 parting is such sweet sorrow. Without further ado, let's uh, jump into this and uh, get things started. Uh, Representative Cologne joins us right now. And uh, let's see if we can get uh, get get the straight. Get the straight scoop here. Good morning there, Representative. How are you? Good morning, Michael. I'm doing well. How are you? Good, good. Technical difficulties aside, you're all ready to <laughs> rock and roll here this yeah, morning? Yeah, updates and these things that needed to be done, but I got it. Yeah, you know, I tried to do a Zoom meeting yesterday, and a uh, good thing I started like 20 minutes ahead of time, because that's how long it took me to update everything before I could do Zoom. It was a weird thing. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, Representative, um, let's get started because we don't have a whole lot of time with you. And I do want to kind of get the the genesis of this and, and figure this out. Um, I have some concerns uh, over, uh, uh, again, more government subsidies going to programs that, um, they, I mean, this concerns me. I guess it just concerns me overall. So let's talk first about the genesis of this and your thoughts and the bill itself. And uh, why you think, uh, you know, why you think this is necessary for the state spending to do it. But let's first talk about the genesis of it. So give me your uh, give me your thoughts on on uh, this new bill that you put forward for uh, state subsidized child care. And let's uh, let's get started there. Yep. So a couple of things that I want to make clear, I am not creating any new child care subsidy and state subsidized care. I'm not in support of government-run child care. I do not think every child under five has to be in child care. 
this this was created because I last year uh, when people come and speak with you, a lot uh, almost every private sector person said that they were struggling with vacancies and turnover, and most of their employees the reason was childcare. And they and they said, you know, I'd like to set up maybe a child care program in my for my business. A couple actually wanted to create one in their building, uh, but they don't have the expertise. They're not child care experts. So that kind of gave me pause uh, because on top of that, every meeting I go to, the, there's work for there's jobs here, but the work there's not the workforce in Alaska, right? And everybody. Uh, is leaving the state. And even though we have lots of jobs coming to the state, there's not um, there's not enough workers. So I was just thinking along the lines of workforce. And uh, I had four children myself. And I listened to your show yesterday. And a lot of the people who called in, I did the same thing. I had four children. My husband and I uh, did not use childcare. I came home uh, because he made more money. We we lived skinny and uh, it was tight and the times were tough and all the things, uh, but I did stay home. That being said, I don't think that parents uh, or a lot of families in Alaska right now have even have that choice because of the cost of living right now. The inflation is insane. And so um, uh, many of the families that I've spoken to one would like to stay home with the children, um, but it's it's expensive to live here. And so they're trying to make two jobs work. You know, one works at night, one works in the, during the day and all that. So anyway, uh, there's just a lot of uh, pressures on families. And I thought if I could get the private sector, sector to really kick into this problem, that we might ward off some of these government subsidy uh, requests that are coming. Last year, the child care sector wanted $30 million in child care block grants on top of the Head Start money, which was $5 million. Um, and these are grants that just are, are going out to child care center, uh, child care centers um, that are supposed to be giving I guess wage relief or you know help with equipment, kind of just a, um, trying to basically subsidize a childcare center that can't make it. And I thought my my angle was, why don't we get the private sector to infuse their own capital in it for their own workers to help their own workers on childcare, whether they want to build their own childcare or just give it as a, a benefit and then raise the income level a little bit so more middle-class families could get assistance and try to ward off these huge blocks of money coming from mainly, well, up until now, coming from the federal government. During COVID, the uh, child care sector, the federal government gave uh, Alaska $100 million for child care. I have no idea where the money went. I don't know what it's it's very similar to um, the discussions we're having around education, throwing a bunch of uh, big time money out into the ethos, helping, uh, hoping that it will help a sector. I'd actually heard it, in my opinion, because uh, we lost 
half the childcare centers and a man, uh, many, many childcare uh, um, places that are in home, you know, like a tour, you know, someone watching kids in the home. In Anchorage, we lost half of those through COVID. And as far as I can tell, they haven't come back. So I don't want the, um, I don't want this to turn into a huge government run uh, sector. I think it's still on the edge where we could try to infuse it and get the part of the partnership of the private sector to try to kick in and help their employees get childcare. There will always be head starts. Um, there are always the subsidies that have been coming for childcare in the state since 1992. I think is when the childcare block grant program start, started. Uh, the feds uh, last year gave Alaska 22 million towards childcare, and I'm really trying to target uh, businesses and families instead of having these huge block grants come in and nobody is really accountable to the money that I can tell. Uh, and it's not helping because we don't have enough childcare centers. I've also uh, worked with uh, the nonprofit uh, that puts those grants out called Thread. I've also told them to that we need to, if they're going to give those monies out, there needs to be training on the business acumen on some of these childcare centers. The I, I visited a lot of childcare um, centers in Anchorage over the summer. And these are people that love kids. They love kids, they love teaching, but there has to be a business acumen to keep the business afloat. And I think all of them really struggle with paperwork, with budgeting. And so there's lots of things that we could do to try to you know, turn turn the tide that that I can see coming down, especially from the feds, um, and not have it um, where the government's paying everybody's childcare. That's another misnomer. This subsidy that's happening is a copay. Uh, families have to pay um, fifty to sixty-five percent of the childcare bill. This is a small stipend to help with the with the monthly costs, which I know that you talked about it a little bit yesterday. The, uh, the average cost is, well, there's no average cost because it depends on if you have an infant or a toddler, but it's between 700 and 1400, four, it can be $1,400 a month for a toddler, for an infant and for toddlers between seven and nine. So you, you know, you're spending a thousand dollars a month for one kid in childcare if you're trying to go back to work. And so, you know, I I think there's an avenue here where a conservative can bend this a little bit. I I do like to um, I I like to uh, invade liberal spaces uh, because I don't think as a conservative we can stand back and just let things go. Uh, when the governor asked me to be on the task force, I knew it would be tough. Um, especially because I I come from it from a very different point of view than most of the people on the task force. But I thought it was important that somebody that came from the private sector and that um, is conservative have a voice in what the direction of childcare, this task force uh, would be. Uh, I had Katie Capozzi on there too, the, the Chamber of Commerce, uh, gal from the Chamber of Commerce, she was on task force as well. 
And so we both were really um, excited about the idea of possibly incentivizing private sector by the tax credits in my bill uh, to come up with a childcare benefit, just almost like a healthcare benefit for their employees. Um, and they they don't have to build a childcare center. They can they can do, um, give stipends. They can do a lot of there's a lot of creative things that businesses can do. Um, but I don't. Uh, the the task force had a recommendation to subsidize wages, and I vehemently disagree with that. And that is part of the reason why I'm trying to stem the tide of these huge block grants because um, to for the government to to subsidize wages for childcare is a big big mistake in my opinion. So I understand people's reservations. I you know this I didn't enter this. In, uh, thinking that it was all going to be, uh, everybody's going to hold hands with me. But I, I thought it was important that I tried to make, uh, steer this, this whole uh, discussion and this, this money that's been coming in, in a, uh, in a different direction than what right. it's been in. So, well, I think that, you know, and I, I agree that, you, you know, your heart's in the, uh, your heart's in the right place on this. And I think you're right. We should invade liberal spaces and take on some of these issues and do some of this. But um, I mean, I, 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 I think what we're seeing here is indicative of this. I mean, you talked about a hundred million dollars in federal funds yep. and nobody knows where they went. Uh, you, they, they can't track it. They can't really show anything for it. And that is indicative of the larger problem here. Um, yes, a $30 million block grant's a lot of money and we should avoid that at any cost if we can. But at the same time, we're looking at the tax credits and things that were discussed in this, and they're talking about, uh, you know, eventually those tax credits could account for over $260 million in revenues uh, mm -hmm. for the state in the long run, which is a lot larger than the $30 million block grant. And yeah. um, I mean, I, you know, I, I want to get into some details of this, but we are up against the break. I did want to give you that first shot just to kind of give us the full overview sure of what we were talking about. So um, I'm gonna take- I uh, just want to say, I'm, my bill isn't $260 million fiscal note. No, but again, the potential, again, the, ta the taxing, this is what was reported yesterday, that the tax- Yeah, for the, for the childcare, uh, fuel and housing. Yeah, it's yeah. A, a com yeah, for a combined uh, total. Yeah, I guess yeah. I should have been more clear on that for the food security <laughs> and everything else. But I mean, it becomes a significant amount, even if it's only 20% yeah. of that, it's a it's a significant amount. Uh, mm -hmm. We're going to continue here in just a second. Representative Julie Colomb is our guest. The Michael Luke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Regularly heard on American radio. Uh, Representative Julie Colomb, our guest here during the break as we go through. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I got to, you know, Julie, that, that it really terrifies me. And of course, with COVID and all the monies that were being thrown around and everything else, we've heard a lot of this. I mean, $60 billion in fraud, first of all. And just the PP, uh, you know, just in the PPP portion of the of the COVID, there was a lot of this stuff going on. But the fact that the state received a bunch of money and now we can't really account for it is 
Well, I mean, it's troubling to say the least, right? I mean, <laughs> as a fiscal conservative, doesn't this just make you pull your hair out? I mean, shouldn't you just be like, I mean, somebody should be somebody should be called to account on this and taken to task on where did the hundred million dollars go and what did we get for it? Um, you know, sure, if you put it to X, Y, or Z, that's great. What is the response and what is, and and we're just we're we're seeing this in issue after issue, childcare and other things. You know, I mean, at this point, it really starts to damage the credibility of government to be able to control what they've got going on. And of course, their demand for more and more when we can't even figure out what we did with the last batch of stuff that we had. Right. I mean, that should be that's got a lot of people worried. Yeah. Well, and that's why, you know, I I think, you know, if if when I looked at that hundred million, I mean, I can tell you where it went, but no, there's we don't have anything to show for it. I mean, it's it went to child care centers and, you know, the, all, all this, I know, nebulous things that didn't really create any more child care. And um, when the feds just dump a bunch of money on a state that's not prepared to handle it, that's what happens. That's, you know, I mean, whether it's child care or any of the COVID money, throwing states huge chunks of money. And saying you got to spend it within a year or two years um, with almost no restrictions on it. That's what we saw with the schools, too, right? So the schools got tons of money and um, there's all sorts of, you know, drama around that. But you, that's just human nature. You you can't you don't have a system that's set up set up to put the money really to good use because you didn't know it was coming and you have to spend it really fast. So that's kind of a setup for for bad for bad uh, spending. So right. Well, and of course, this is not. Ju- it's not just if it was a one-time thing or one issue or one pot of money that this happened to, it would be one thing. But unfortunately, it's instance after instance at the federal level, at the state level, and pretty much all and at the school level. I mean, you know, we're seeing right. it everywhere, and people are starting to get. Uh, I mean, I would think understandably leery. I mean, do, do you understand, um, you know, uh, do you understand why people are reticent to try and embrace something like this because of all the other things that have gone on in this regard? Oh, sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, every, I've had people ask me, like, why is childcare? Why is this such a crisis? I, I really don't look at it as a crisis when I was raising kids. It was tough to have child, find childcare back then too. I mean, it's always been tough. Um, and right now our workforce in Alaska is 60% are women. And this mainly falls on women to find the care or to come home, that's just the way it is. And so I know that um, people are wary of, you know, I don't know, I don't want government run childcares, which I don't either. I don't, I guess where I disagree is just around the tax credits. Why not give, why not give corporations or businesses, let them keep some of their money to put towards benefits to their workers? I guess I don't see that as a subsidy, but I I know that not everybody agrees with me, but I I figured if the the private sectors have the workers, let them 
be part of the solution. Right. But well, I, you know, I understand the money The you know, nobody thinks that big chunks of money coming from the feds is, you know, right. going to actually be used well. Well, look, I'm a fan of anything that reduces the overall taxation on people and corporations. I'm a fa- I'm a fan of reduced taxation overall. Don't don't get me wrong. But um, I think there should be some self-interest in this stuff as well. We're going to jump back into it right now. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We're going to take that issue up to begin with. Uh, Julie Colomb, our guest, like, share, subscribe. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. <laughs> Whew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. All right, we're continuing now. Julie Coloma is our guest representative uh, here talking about uh, child care. Um, and I want to go back uh, and and you were talking about, you know, what we're trying to do here is essentially offer or incentivize businesses um, through these tax credits to create or mandate or supplement their employees' income or create their own daycare systems and everything else. And this, as you said, the genesis of all this was the fact that businesses were coming to you saying, we've got all these unfilled positions and we're having a hard time with employees. Now, this is my first, this is my first question on this. If the businesses are looking for these things and they need the employees, to, you know, isn't that I mean, shouldn't shouldn't that just be strictly a business expense, even for their own self-interest of creating and having a dedicated workforce uh, to be able to come and, and come in and do that? I mean, I would think as a business owner, if I had people that I wanted to, you know, that I wanted to make sure got there, if we had to provide daycare to do it, that would become a cost of doing business. It would be nice to have tax credits to be able to get those things done. And again, I'm a fan of anything that reduces taxes overall for people or corporations or whatever. But again, is it, you know, shouldn't they be serving their own self-interest by doing this anyway? Do we, do we need the governmental help to get it done? I guess is my big question. Uh, Well, they're not doing it anyway uh, on a, a large scale. They're, the feedback, I guess I could answer it. The feedback I'm getting is that they don't really know how to enter into giving a benefit like this. If they don't, even if they wanted to build a childcare in their building where everybody works, they're not even really sure how that works. And it that would cost, you know, some capital up front. And maybe they don't have the margin to do that. They're not sure, you know, how um, childcare benefits work. I think there's been, in my experience, because I I ran stores, I actually tried to get um, Target to put when I was managing Target to try to put uh, childcare in our store. Uh, and there's some there's some generational things going on with that when you have older um, pe- people that are owning the business. This is not something that's been done in the past. And so I think there was um, headwinds, I suspect, uh, in anybody trying to do this kind of benefit in their business. And so I thought the tax credit would just help 
maybe push people over to say, hey, maybe we could do things differently. Just because we didn't do that 20 years ago doesn't mean we can't do something like this now. And so that's that's the the main um, push for it. And and government incentivizes and de-incentivizes uh, things all the time with taxes, tax which, credits, tax, which, you know. Which yeah. is part of the problem. I mean, I'm yeah. just going to be real honest with you. That's yeah. part of the problem to begin with. You know, the yeah. free market, the free market could solve this problem if the mm-hmm. government would get out of the way. And that actually leads to my next question. And I know we only mm-hmm. have about nine minutes left, but right. um, you know, my question is how much of the childcare problem and the costs associated with childcare and everything else has to do with regulatory burden where people used to be able to just be like, you know, hey, Mabel down the street used to just watch kids because, you know, she didn't have a job or she was unemployed or she was a stay at home mom and she just wanted to help out and wanted to make some extra money or, you know, she was retired or, you know, something else is going on. But now we've got to have you know, the insurance and the oversight and the licensure and the inspections and all this other kind of stuff. How much of this stuff has come out of governmental regulatory burden? Well, I'll, I quite a bit, I would say. I mean, we spent a lot of time on that on the task force and a lot of that regulatory burden. The commissioner, uh, Commissioner Hedberg is working on. Uh, there was some really easy, low hanging fruit that needed to to be fixed, like background checks and and um, the way people apply, you know, people, there was no, it was all paper, you know, there's no electronic form, you know, all this stuff. So there's a lot of regulatory burden. Um, it's not anything I can address in my bill. The commissioner and the department need to address that, and they are. The larger day childcare centers, they can, it can range from probably from five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars for all the licensing and everything. There's different types of licenses though, and you can have a license for an in-home childcare, and it's two hundred fifty, I think, two hundred fifty bucks for the background check and license. So it, it you know, it does cost money, um, and you know, that's not great. I the, the paperwork isn't as bad but it's it's more than i would have done so when i watched i watched children um you know 30 years ago in my home and i didn't do any of that i just watched kids in my home we had agreements with parents and and that's fine if people want to do that i'm you know that's that's a good option right but i think regulatory that's definitely been a bird uh definitely a burden and a barrier in anchorage Anchorage is the only one that can license childcare. Everybody else in the state's licensed by the state, and they have a lot of a lot of burden in Anchorage. So we've been trying to peel that off, and I, I'm pretty I'm I'm pretty confident that the commissioner is going to pull a lot of that regulatory burden off. But you're right; it's it's definitely uh, an issue. Right. Well, and I think going back to your issue of these businesses that <clears throat> excuse me may not know how or may not, you know, maybe don't have the wherewithal or, you know, are old school, you know, always did it this way, always going to do it that way kind of thing. I mean, part of this is also the fact that many of them have become inured to the fact that they can do it themselves. Instead, government continues to offer options for all these different things that they need to have done. And they become they they start to reach the point of saying, well, it's not really my problem. Government will take care of it. So let's go to them and beg them to do something about it so that we 
don't have to or that because we don't know how. And, I mean, come on. If you're running a business, you could probably figure out how to hire somebody to take care of the kids in a single room in your business. This is not rocket surgery, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, hire somebody who's done child care before. Put them in a single office, take care of the kids. I mean, you know, you know what it is. So I think at some point it's also kind of that de facto, well, we're just going to let the government take care of it because government's going to take care of it anyway uh, kind of thing. I well, mean, do you, do you think that's only, part of it? This is the only government-run child care is Head Start and uh, pre-K in schools. Well, and I mean, I mean ta- and I mean, take care of it in the form of some form of funding or some kind of grant or some kind of tax credit or something. You know what I'm saying? Like they come. To, it's like in. And again, I'm not I'm not trying to cast aspersions on anybody. But if they come to the, the government hat in hand and say, boy, we've got a real problem here. You guys need to fix it. We've got a real problem with employees and you guys need to fix it. Uh, we got a real problem because employees can't come because of child care. You guys need to fix it instead of looking at the end of their own arm and figuring out how to fix it themselves. Again, not a criticism on you or anybody else, but don't you do you see that that we become so in this state, especially the kind of the dependency syndrome is the answer to every question at the end of the day. Seems like it becomes government is the answer to every question at the end of the day. Am I am I wrong? No, you're not wrong, especially in this state, um, for sure. But I guess I don't look at giving. I mean, we have the highest corporate tax income rate. So why why wouldn't we just let them have some of their money? A lot of this issue is money. If you give them some of their money back from taxes, maybe they'll invest in in you know, education or childcare, this, you know, this, I guess I I struggle with saying that this is, (coughs) this is government run childcare. I don't. Well, and I I guess part of it is, is, uh, you know, whether it's subsidized or uh, tax credit, um, you know, at a lot of point, the bottom line is, is that in the end, it's all taxpayer money one way or the other, right? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And that's what people hear. And of course, the news media is not helping by calling it, you know, child, uh, government subsidized child care and things like that. And so right. it really starts to, uh, I think it really starts to stick in people's craw. And the more that we start to realize that we are a dependency state here in Alaska, that this is creating the majority of those problems is that people are looking at it like it's one more thing that they want government to do. Now, I'm with you. And uh, this might uh, this might uh, surprise the listeners, but I'm with you. If we want to give more money back to the companies that are doing that, I'm all for it. And if they want to take up their child care. And in fact, if I was running a company and I was struggling to get employees to show up to work because of child care, that had been my first question. How do we how do we fix that? Can we hire child care inside here and create an area where we can watch the kids here at work and make it a benefit? I mean, that would be a, I mean, that would be if I was a parent who was struggling with that and uh, they could put child children up at the place that I work and I could go take my lunch hour with my children while I'm there and taking care of it. I mean, that's a that's a benefit. That's a benefit for sure. Um, again. I think that businesses should be taking a uh, – I, I would put it back on businesses to say if you want good employees, this is a benefit that you can offer. It's not that hard. And if you, we want to give them you know, some cre- credits off their taxes to begin with to help with that, okay, great. I definitely don't want to see uh, – but but I guess, I guess my main problem with this whole thing is, is that the answer at the end of every question, the answer at the end of every problem these days seems to be government – 
And uh, would people like Zach Fields and stuff who, you know, I know you're invading these liberal spaces trying to trying to work on these things. But when he's coming out and using this to try and rail and ride in and try and get other things in it on top of it, more government monies in the form of subsidies, cash subsidies and things, that is problematic. And that's, I think, where people really start to lose their mind. Yeah. And me, too. I mean, (laughs) we'll find out today. I mean, the the bill is on the floor today. It's taking amendments today. So I suspect that there will be amendments to crank up the money and put more in it. And um, and that's that's fine. It's their right to do so. But I think the the caucus will hold strong um, and make sure the bill stays the, exactly the way it is, because I'm not interested in that. But I do I do want to tell people uh, if we come back next year and the Republicans don't have a majority, this is going this this sector is going to blow up. Right. These people want to put hundreds of millions into child care to subsidize wages to subsidize everything right so you may not like the tactic i'm taking now but i'm i'm really uh trying to warn off and it, it shifted in a different direction this train has been going on the track way before i came to, to juno right and so um yeah so it's important that we get our majority back next year because this is really this and uh, several other areas they really want to throw a lot of money money towards it so one one final question before i let you go uh what is the uh again it, when we talk about costs in, a, in in a scenario like this since they are tax credits i mean technically there's no cost but there is a loss of revenue and of course the paper right. reported that with everything the food subsidies and everything else it was 260 million what portion of that is the child care component of that big 260 million dollar money yeah, so I'm not sure, like the governor put that out after my bill, so I'm not sure where that number came from. The fiscal note on my bill for the tax credits is $4 million for the first two years, and then it goes up to five. It's, it's, it's difficult. It was difficult for the department to know because they, they just don't know who's going to take advantage of it, right? So... This is along the same lines as the educational tax credits, which actually they had a lot of um, credits and a lot of investment in the university on those. So, you know, my my fiscal note is pretty small. It's two, four, five with it. They just projected within the next three or four years, a million of uh, lost revenue. So I, you know, I think once you start doing tax credits on energy and food that's <laughs> i don't know that's a significant... I, I, i'm not sure where that number came from for the governor's bill okay well there's a significant amount yeah when you start talking yeah, yeah. about food and energy it definitely becomes a significant amount well yeah. we'll see where this goes today uh i mean i'm interested to see but again i'm hoping that businesses of their own volition not because of some government pat on the back or something else We'll take a look at this. If they're truly having problems with employees and that and that problem is the retention or the show up because the kids are, you know, they can't get child care, I would hope that they would solve their own problems at that point. But, you know, you just never know. All right. Well, we've got to let you go. I know you got other things going on. Uh, yep. I appreciate you coming on board this morning. Uh, we should talk more often because we haven't yep. talked in a while. Great. Uh, and uh, maybe we can visit again here in another uh, three or four weeks and, and talk some more about it. 
Sounds great. Sounds great. Thank you, Julie. Appreciate you coming on board. Thanks so much. Representative Julie Colom, our guest. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Julie, uh, any final thoughts before you we just sign off here? I know you got to go. Yeah, um, so anytime this, if I have a bill or anything coming up, just reach out to me so we can talk. Because I, I mean, I think there, there's been conversations that I've been listening to on the show that I would have liked to at least had a, you know, a chance to defend myself um, and at least, at least try to get people to understand what my perspective is. I don't expect sure. everybody to agree with me. But, no. Um, and look, it's a, and it's a two way thing too. Like I said, I mean, I'm a, I'm a one man thing. So sometimes I get a little behind the curve on calling people or trying to reach out, but feel free anytime that if you hear something that you disagree with, you can always call the program and we can talk about it. I've got no problem with that. Um, for sure. Um, and you know, don't, don't be a, don't be a stranger. If you have something that you think is important like this, um, mm-hmm. you know, maybe come out here and, and let us know what's happening ahead of time too, so that people don't get, uh, you know, so they, maybe they don't get misinformed or they don't, uh, you know, take it, take a, take something that's wrong and run with it and blow it into something that it's not. So well, I did, that, um, I did take issue with something said a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And <laughs> which was, that? um, around Brad Keithley and the house finance and how we're all out of touch because we make all this money. And I just want to make sure it's put out there that I've been working class all my life. This is not some, I am not someone who's in some ivory tower telling the, the lower people what to do. I do not have a God complex. I do not think I can need to fix the world. And I took exception to that just because there's been so much that my husband and I have done to try to get to this point in our lives. And we're working class people. I totally get it. I've raised four kids. We are not, uh, we are not rich. We are in the upper part of the income now because of all the investments that we've put and worked for um, through the years. But I just wanted to make, set that record straight that, uh, I am I'm not what was perceived um, when Brad Keithley was on about the House finance members. Sure. Well, and no problem. I mean, look, it's uh, it's a broad brush and sometimes people get painted with it, you know, uh, mm-hmm. when things like that go on. Uh, and I think, you know, overall, uh, I think the overall uh, issue or the overall theme of what he was talking about is not untrue overall on an individual level. I think you're right. There are some, there are people in there. I think there's good people in the house uh, Mm -hmm. and in the Senate, both uh, who may uh, be in the upper echelons now that may not have always been there, but there's also people in there who've created a career out of this kind of stuff. And I think that's probably what he's uh, you know, the thing that he's targeting more than anything else. So it is a broad brush to be painted with. Don't get too upset if some of that paint slaps on you on the way by. But, uh, you know, we should, you know, again, 
more conversation is, I think, is what's needed. Uh, and and coming on here and talking with us about it, uh, don't ever hesitate to give us a call. Uh, text me. Let me know. We could bring you on at any time if we've got an open slot or if it's open line. You're always welcome to come on and discuss any of these things. So, uh, uh, you know, we'd love to we'd love to hear more from you. And I think that's part of the problem with everything happening down in Juneau is that everybody is so divorced from everything because of distance, time and everything else. And the fact that you guys are down there, I'm sure it's like a buzzing beehive with people coming in there into your office every day with their hands out. Right. NGOs and and organizations and, and everything else. You're probably not seeing a lot of average citizens flying down there on their own dime to talk about a bill, I would imagine. No. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember I talked to Tammy Wilson. She said in 12 years, she could count them on probably one hand, maybe just under one over one hand. The number of right. times an average citizen flew to Juneau to talk about a bill. But every yeah. day it was a dozen people in her office every day to talk about we need more money. So yep. it's it's, it's part of the problem. It's part of the problem. Um, all right. Anyway, well, we appreciate you, Julie, for coming on. Thank you for answering our questions. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing what this bill does uh, later today. It's in where is it coming out of today? Uh, it's on the House floor it's today. It's on the floor today. OK. All right. So it's on the floor today. We'll see what happens with it. And uh, we, right. we appreciate it. Thank you, Julie, for coming on board. Thank you. All right. See you. Uh, the Michael Duke Show continues. Julie Colom, our guest. We got Mike Shower coming up uh, here in just a little bit. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I think that that's stuck in her craw. Uh, and I understand. Again, that's a broad brush, like I said. And sometimes when you're painting with a broad brush, you slap a little paint around and some other people get splashed. It it happens. Um, it, it It is what it is. Donna uh, lays it out there, though, and says she's right. There's a big difference between the private sector, the military members, and the career politicians. The problem is, is that it's the career politicians that seem to be driving the bus on a lot of this stuff. And uh, and I think that's really what Brad is slapping back against is the kind of the career politicians who, um, you know, who've made it their business to uh, uh, to go in there. And, and most of them are making. Well, they're substantially higher than the top 20 percent at that point. All right. Um, well, we're going to continue this. Uh, we will uh, we'll we'll continue on the Michael Duke show. Common sense, liberty based. Free Thinking Radio, like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Let's get to it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Seriously humorous with a pinch of intellect. <laughs> pinch of intellect. Sorry. That is humorous. Here's Michael Dukes. Okay. Um... I want to do a little bit of an after action here with what we were talking about with Julie. Uh, you know, and, and again, for the record, I like Julie and I think she does a lot of, you know, she's got a lot of good ideas. She's been working on the budget. She's been doing a lot of things. Um, uh, Kevin McCabe in the chat room says Julie is the hardest working legislator in Juneau. And keep in mind that her district is pretty blue. Yeah. So I understand. Um, What's going on here? Let me let me point out here. Uh, let me point out here what I think is the biggest problem. And she and I were just talking about this, um, and, and kind of I was alluding to it in the previous uh, in the previous segment. Is that if we continue to look to government to solve every problem, this is what we're going to get. We're going to get more and more. Now again. 
Uh, what I what I like about Julie's bill is the fact that this is not a direct subsidy. It's not dollars coming out of the Treasury, that it is instead a credit to businesses to do honestly what they should be doing anyway on their own. Right. But uh, again, I'm in favor of anything that reduces taxes anywhere. I, mean, I don't know how to put that any more plainly. I am in favor of anything that reduces taxes on individuals, on corporations, on, you know, whatever. Anything that reduces the amount of money that the government can take in, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. But the problem is, again, in this state is that, you know, she started off by talking about people coming to her, businesses coming to her and saying, we're having a hard time, you know, keeping our employees or getting our employees or, you know, having the absenteeism and everything else. And this all comes back to a child care issue, which, again, if you're a business owner and you've got a problem like that, you should be finding ways to fix it. Within your own realm. I mean, if it if it the average cost of hiring an employee <clears throat> is significant. For those of you who don't know, um, the average cost uh, of hiring a single employee for most businesses is somewhere just under five thousand dollars, depending on the business. But I mean, in general, five. If it it sometimes it's a lot more if it's a more technical service or things like that. You could be seven or eight thousand dollars. But you know. Between $4,500 and $5,000 is the average cost of hiring an employee. Now, if you are having a problem because your employees can't find adequate or affordable child care or things like that, and this is directly impacting your business, it would seem to me that it would be worth paying $40,000 a year or $50,000 a year for a child care worker that could come in and help and you know create it would it would be a benefit to your business to do that <clears throat> again i think the bigger problem here is is that instead of fixing their own problems a lot of businesses turn to government to say well if you just gave my employees a direct subsidy or a benefit or anything like that or helped us set up something you know again it's the handout syndrome you know, it's the it's the syndrome of walking over to your legislature with your hand out saying, we have this problem. Please help us fix it. Um, and that to me is the bigger issue is that overall dependency status, the overall inclination to be dependent on the government for anything, for, for anything at all. I mean, again, it would make sense if, if you were a business owner and you want your employees to show up, how do I, you know, if I'm trying to solve that problem, how would I make that happen? You know, do I, do I have to, can I create a subsidy? You know, is there a way to use flex spending accounts or other things that we can use for childcare? And, and I'm also going to go back and now, again, I want to caveat this, that there are single parent households that are going to have it much. It's going to be much more difficult for them to do any of the things that we're talking about. Right. I mean, it's 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 going to be much more difficult, especially when the children are young, uh, when they're infants, when they're toddlers. And if you're a single parent uh, household, I mean, it's. 
I, I just don't even know how you do it, quite honestly. I mean, I don't I don't know what the what the gymnastics are to have to make that happen. But if you're a dual if you're a dual parent household, how can you I mean, how could you afford when she was talking about the new numbers, you know, up to a thousand dollars per child as a toddler and up to fourteen hundred dollars as a child as an infant. How I mean, you're you're talking about twelve to fourteen, fifteen thousand dollars a year. How much money would you have to make to justify expending that alone? I mean, you know, you've got to make you've got to make what eighteen, twenty to be able to pay the fifteen to begin with. That's just to pay that, let alone the tax. You know, the putting you into the the tax bracket. To, to to the expenses of of going to the job, the gas, the the clothes, the haircuts, the the extra food, the extra things out, all the other stuff. I mean, how much do you have to make to do that? I mean, <clears throat> there are so many things wrapped up in this. But again, going back to what I started with here at the beginning of this segment is. The problem in my mind is the fact that we continue to have people and organizations and businesses come back to the government, come back to their legislators, come back to their politicians and say, we have a problem. You need to fix it. And that's become a that's become a, a state of mind. Here in the state, instead of the independent, pull yourself up by your own bootstrap mentality that, you know, I believe is kind of the American ideal of, you know, we're going to do it our, you know, we're going to do it and we're going to take care of it. It has become more and more prevalent and more and more common for people to look at to the government to say, we have a problem and you got to fix it. Now, I don't chastise uh, Julie for putting this up the way that it is. I would much rather have it be a tax credit system than I would it to be a direct subsidy. And she's right because she has people like Zach Fields who are supporting this bill and doing everything else. But if the if the Republicans lose the the majority in the House this next go around, um, the next time they come around, it won't be just a tax credit for businesses to create these things. It will be. A hundred million dollar direct subsidy to the to the organizations or to, you know, different nonprofits, Head Start, Thread, whoever it is that's going to be doing these things. And you've got whole industries now that are popping up around uh, this money that's coming in. And every time you pass it through these things, everybody's taking a bite. So everybody now has become more dependent on it. Everybody's, you know, when you've got industries that are popping up around these monies and these dollars, Thread just popped up. <clears throat> Thread just uh, came into being here not too long ago during COVID to take care of these monies. And everybody's got to get paid in there, right? So now everybody takes their bite of the apple as it goes through. Um, and the question is, shouldn't people be taking care of their own stuff? Shouldn't businesses be taking care of their own stuff? Tax credits are still 100% tax burden to everyone else. I don't care, Gary. I, I mean, I really don't. If 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 we could get, be less, I, every reduction in taxes is good, in my opinion. Any reduction in taxes is good, in my opinion. 
What you're saying is, <clears throat> well, now everybody else has to pay for anything that reduces the revenue to government and puts more pressure on the beast. I'm all about. I mean, I, I just think that's the only way we're going to shrink the size and scope of government in the long term is by to continue to put downward pressure on it by through the loss of revenue. That's the that's the only thing. That's the only thing that I'm that I that I believe in at this point. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know. Um, <clears throat> and Alaska has become such a dependency state that uh, we don't even notice it anymore. I mean, dependency on the social welfare side, you know, the food, the housing, the medical and all that stuff, dependent on the corporate cronyism side, where they're getting handouts or government contracts or tax credits. We just, the whole problem is the mindset, in my opinion. All right, we got to go. Uh, State Senator Mike Schauer is going to be up next. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Okay. Oh, that's a valid point. I just got a text saying um, that, uh, you know, not to offend Julie, but always concerned that the big daycare centers don't want regulations eased for potential competitors. And a tax credit only helps the big guys. She's not wrong. Not wrong. Uh, You know, that's part of that regulatory burden is that larger entities that have been set up underneath that burden never want those things to change or be relaxed because it would create competition in their market. That's, I mean, that's part of the problem. Absolutely part of the problem. All right, let me, let me go over here and see if, uh, all right, let me see if I can get a shower on the line. Okay. Let's um let's do this. Let's give it a shot. See what happens from here. Shall we? Well, that's unfortunate. Um my call immediately went to voicemail. Let's try it one more time. Uh, okay. Well, that's, uh, let me do this here. It's always my favorite part of the day. Always my favorite part. Um, I didn't send a confirmation text last night, which I normally do on the day before, and I didn't do it. Last night, because I had a million things going on, and I should have. I should have. All right. Boom. Okay. Try one more time here. Hey, it didn't go to voicemail. 
Yeah. You ready? <laughs> oh, I'm ready. You always make me nervous, man. It was like it went to voicemail twice, and I'm like, that's that just I should have sent that confirmation text last night. That's <laughs> yeah, fair to make you sweat. I know. You, you just make me Hey Harold owes me twenty five dollars because he said he bet me twenty five dollars that you were gonna stand up the show. So, you know, hey, really? look at that. Uh, so you won money. Good for you. I, I won money. It's breakfast money this morning. Nothing better than breakfast. Breakfast burritos for everyone. Um, <laughs> anyway, we're all uh, we're all ready to go. How are you, my friend? How's uh, how's life in the big city treating you? Life is fantastic, <laughs> exciting, awesome. Wow, love it. Yeah, you. Wow, I mean, just. Wow. Can you feel uh, the emotion? I the can feel it. it's it, that is that is working for you, but you are making that work. You are sounding <clears throat> terrifically, terrifically enthusiastic. <laughs> uh, terrifically enthusiastic as well. Um, all right. Uh, so um, <clears throat> so we got a lot to talk about today. Um, I don't know if you heard any of what we just talked about with the child care issue. Um, we just had Julie Coloma on. I don't know if you caught any of that, but um, I uh, I wouldn't mind take, getting your take on this idea that somehow people have become so conditioned to to go anytime that they have a problem, they just walk towards the government with their hand out and saying, "I have a problem, and you need to fix it." Is that is that part of the of the issue I, I would love to discuss that today i would also love to discuss if you have been david says mike have you been pummeled by the education army i'd love to hear your your discussion on that on the vote on sb 140 and uh and more so and then whatever whatever you want to talk about buddy it's it's, it's all going to be you so are you you ready to take this on you need another cup of joe you need a, a, a i'm excited i'm excited Totally excited. Oh my god. Can't you tell? I told you I'm just excited to be here. Wow. So you should inform your you should inform your face. Uh, <laughs> inform your face that you are excited to be here. Uh yes. all right. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> you just hang out here for a second, then I'm gonna put you on hold while you <clears throat> while you inform your face that you're excited to be here. And I'll go back and double check the um, I'll go back and double check the comments here. Uh, regulatory capture, that's the key component to this uh, to this who crony capitalism schema we have allowed to evolve. Um, I agree. Jeannie says you need a producer. I mean, yeah, I could, but you know, I mean, I don't it's not like I make much on the show anyway. What am I gonna pay a producer with? Um <clears throat> whoa. Sorry, I just kicked the dog uh, accidentally underneath the table. Um, did Dunleavy veto 140? Uh, no, but he said he's not going to sign it. He's got 14 days to make a decision one way or the other, but he said it didn't have what he wanted in it. So he's like, uh, we, we got issues. So he didn't sign it, but he said he's not going to sign it, but he also has not vetoed it yet. That does not mean things may not change. So we'll see there. You okay back there, bud? Bosco, you okay? Okay. I just, I mean. (sighs) 
All right. <laughs> he just threw up a little bit. All right. Uh, anyway, we're we're going to do it's just another beautiful day in, in, in the home studio. All right. We're ready to go. Hour two dead ahead. Mike Shower, our guest, who is super enthusiastic about today. We're ready to go. Um, back with more. Whoa, buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning. Welcome to the program. Hour two of the big radio show on this Wednesday. You know what that means. Oh, 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 baby. That's right. It is the shower hour of power. State Senator Mike Shower joins us this morning to talk about wood ticks, lunatics, and politics. Maybe not in that order. It's uh, it's it's great, great, uh, great to great to do it. He joins us uh, right now to discuss well everything we've been talking about. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm slightly more excited than I was two minutes ago. <laughs> He's like, I'm so I am so excited to be here. It's much better than cats. I would watch it again and again. Um, <clears throat> well, welcome to the program, my friend. I know you got. Uh, it's been uh, it's been quite a it's been quite a a, a few days uh, quite 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 the week since we talked last, um, and uh, and I know that you probably have battened down the hatches and created a defensive perimeter and everything else because, well, because uh, you voted no on SB one hundred and forty and I imagine the whips and chains came out, um, and now of course we see that the governor has basically said uh, he's not impressed by the bill. And uh, maybe you were pressing it on this thing. So do you want to start there? Where do you want to start? You guide me. It's it's not your birthday, but let's treat it like it's your birthday. Where, what do you want to start? Well, I mean, that's the most recent one, so we can start on 140. I mean, why not, right? That's the, sure. the hot topic. It's that's... actually kind of calmed down for a little bit after that. There's not anything real <laughs> pressing at the moment. Right, right. So. so what's uh, what's happening, my friend? What You know, I saw this. I saw the vote come down. I saw that you were the one lone voice in the wilderness who said nay, and uh, so I'm I'm like I want to know what's going on. What's what's happening? Give us the rundown. Well, um, after the house had its way with the bill, but you know to remind people, not everybody probably followed every step of Senate Bill 140. It started as the internet high speed you know, bill from Senator Hoffman, which was to get $40 million for the match. So the feds would put in their 
a lot of money. Um, I would estimate really billions when it's all said and done to lay cable all over the state for rural Alaska to get them to 100 megabytes a second um, for download speeds. And that's how it kind of left the Senate. And then the House looked at it and said, hey, opportunity to Christmas tree a bill, but take a step forward on education. So what they did was added all of the things to it, including the BSA increase, which has been an ongoing battle from the education lobby industry for some time. And the numbers went from, you know, $300, I think was the initial house estimate, all the way up to, you know, some people had in $1,413, had a bunch of educators and lobbyists and NEA union types running through the building for weeks, spending some of that those union dues <laughs> um, down here lobbying. Big buttons, Mike. They were like, you know, four inches across. You know, it said 14, 13 on. I know. I saw all and the buttons, and I'm just like, wow, yeah. somebody's somebody's putting their button maker to good use. I mean, <laughs> it's a big four Well, I mean, Mike, they, that that is so ridiculous for them to want that when they don't understand the cost. That was nearly – that was going to be close. It was over $400 million. I don't remember exactly, 400-something before the other – things that the house is adding to it you know because then they have different programs for there was some uh funding for charter schools and edge in uh, transportation etc so the bill to give you the numbers and the lack of connection to reality that some people are pushing for this kind of spending let's do some math here for a moment so 680 is about 175 million, right? right and this right. is one thing people don't understand. I know most of your program does. Most people, I think, in the state don't. Well, you know, you know, $300, $680 per student, that's not that much money. You know, it's only $680. Well, it's not only $680. Because if you took $680 times the 130,000 kids in the state, right, um, that would be about $88 million. So that's not what it is. It's $175 million for the $680 BSA increase. So it's really double that when you apply the formula. And it's a permanent understand. And it's a permanent the other thing is it's a permanent increase outside of the regular budgetary process if they approve it, right? Because this is in this that's, is this is in the in formula, formula now. Baked in, in. Formula. So now we're yeah. forever. Forever. And so, first of all, it's much more expensive than you say. The 680 is not 680. What the 680 really is is more like 1300, right? Um, 1360, whatever the number is per student, because you have to double it because of the formula and how it works out. So, first of all, that that 680 is not 88 million; it's 175 million. Then, on top of that, with the other things that were added into it by the House, and some of these were good things. Um, the actual cost for this bill was 246 million. So it wasn't even 175 million, Mike. This was a quarter of a billion dollar yearly increase. This one bill, a quarter of a billion dollar increase per year. Now, remember too that not every student is equal in this case. Some they would have a lot more special ed students when they changed that funding formula. So now a lot of schools strangely have a lot more special needs students than they used to have because they get a ton. I mean, a ton more money student that is a special needs student and not every kid in this state is treated equally that way the homeschoolers only get a fraction of that bsa to do this and i know this for a fact because we homeschooled our children for a good portion of their education but didn't this we don't bill, get the twenty thousand dollars that for yeah didn't this, get that. they were and they were only getting 90 percent of the bsa to begin with this did increase it to 100 percent, right so now the homeschoolers would get 100 percent of that as well 
No, homeschoolers don't get it all. It's, there's, an, there's an increase, but it's not like, you know, when you look at the average cost for a student, and I know it's not the same in every district. It's like right. 20000 something. Now it's going to be much more than that. Right. Um, but, you know, a homeschooler doesn't get that. Homeschooler, as I, now it's gone up a little bit. I'd have to look at current 14 numbers. Million, that yeah, it's $14 million increase to the homeschooling side of the equation. But again, compared but to when the, you look at yeah. Look at how many kids are there, and you know they were getting about three thousand dollars students. So they're not. And parents are getting a fraction of the money if they're homeschooling that the brick and mortar schools, the education industry is getting in the state. So these are some of the numbers just to think about. But we have gone to a quarter of a billion dollar increase. Now I want you to imagine if the folks that thought that somehow fourteen thirteen was a reasonable number that was north of four hundred million dollars by itself. Now add these other things to it, Mike, it would have been a half a, basically a half a billion dollar increase that they were here pushing for. Now I'm looking at people and going half a billion dollars, huh? Before Senator Giesel's, you know, defined benefit plan, if that goes through, which is really going to be somewhere around a hundred million or more. We know that they just haven't, the final numbers haven't come yet on that one. So that's 600 million. Add into that the 125 million or so every year of the, like we've said many times in this program, I've told you guys it's about 125 million a year ish of, of just normal contract increases already in the books. So now you're now you're at 725 million. So basically, Mike, what we have done here, what we would have done would have been about three quarters of a billion dollars. And that's another no other bills being passed, no nothing else. Nothing else. That is more than what the PFD is going to be this year, I guarantee you. We have, when you look at the numbers, the governor's budget that came across. Um, had about a billion dollar deficit in it because he had full statutory PFD. So you take that PFD out and just do the math, right? With where we are, you have about uh, $1.3 billion to play with. That's the all royalties, tax, everything the state has for taxes, you know, revenue, so-called. And so you'd have 2.3 billion then of earnings from the permanent fund. Take out a billion to, to zero balance the budget out that the governor sent over. You got 1.3 to play with. Once you take this other stuff out we're talking about, you're down around 900 million plus a little bit. Take 650 million to that, Mike, for the $1,000 generous PFD that some people are talking about. How much money you got left? A couple hundred million, between three to 400 million, right? That, Mike, right there, that three to 400 million is everything we have left to play with in the state with a $1,000 PFD. That's it money without drawing down something from the era or the cbr which nobody here is going to do even the governor said he doesn't want to do it so that's it so if i told you every year we're 100 125 million dollars of increase how many years are left before <laughs> even if we just stuck with a thousand dollar pfd before we're out of money right no before we'd literally because of the growth of this government have nothing left to play with a couple of years just a couple of years as i've been predicting then what are you going to do then the pfd is next right what's left of it right is next more spending comes along, increases cost, or revenues go down because the stock market takes a hit, whatever. Mike, we have grown the government to the point that there will be no PFD left because we will take every penny to keep paying for it because there will be no people that want to tax or anything else. So there'll be that, that push. So what I'm trying to tell you guys, look at the numbers, is first of all, as we've been predicting, the PFD, because we, will, we refuse to enact protections for the PFD, it's essentially gone, in my opinion, because they will use it before they will enact taxes. So that will be gone. And here's the little dirty secret that nobody wants to talk about. Those increases are still coming, Mike. And we have no growth of private sector because all we focus on is the public sector in the state. So with an anemic private sector that's not going to boom and grow because the federal government has been hostile 
to our resource extraction state because we have not been on the step of enacting a comprehensive fiscal policy to rein in our spending because we don't have any kind of energy policy or pro-business policy, pro-private sector, because this state is all about the public sector, the public sector. That's all we do. Plus, we wildly spend and, and we have no sustainable plan moving forward. It's hard to get investment in the state. So when I look at things, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. I'm trying to just look at the physical reality of the of the field in front of us. And we have set ourselves up to fail. We could be the Texas of the North, Mike, if a couple things would happen. We have so much potential in the state. I've been having people come through and looking at mining programs, West is sitting access to, to a gold mine and or other stuff out to the West, looking at 200,000 plus, it could be a half a billion barrels more going through the pipeline. If we would get some of these projects up and running, we got mining projects all over the state. We got the ability to, to log. We have more timber in the state. We have access to it. I mean, there's so many trees, Mike, right? I mean, there there's options to bring people up for when they talk about shipping. I've talked about producing stuff. Well, Alaska is expensive because of shipping costs. I'm like, how far away is, well, first, where do we buy our stuff from? Mike, I mean, just, just for the radio program, just for, for posterity, Mike, where does, where does America buy most of its products from? Oh, uh, no, China, China. How far is China from the West coast of the United States? Um, compared to Alaska. Yeah. I mean, Any comparisons? Yeah. It's like, it's, a, it's ah, two thirds huh. beyond. Right. So it's, we are closer which means our transportation costs could be less. We could produce stuff up here. We could have energy that was so ridiculously cheap because we have so much gas and oil and coal and natural resources and hydro. 40% of the fresh water in, this, in the country is in Alaska. I mean, so Mike, the point is there's so much potential, so much opportunity for us to be doing things. And yet, what are we doing? We're bankrupting ourselves. We refuse to rein in our spending. We don't develop our resources. We have no comprehensive plan to make ourselves sustainable and stable so people want to invest here. We are our own worst enemy. We have met the enemy. He is us. And it's so frustrating <laughs> when you go, there's a fiscal plan right there. We could do it. Look yeah. at that. Oh, yeah, we oh, could rein yeah. in our spending. If, if we'd already passed that, we wouldn't be having a discussion about how much money we could spend for education. We would have a limit of what we could live in and do. We wouldn't just be able to randomly, oh, you know, 680, 1430, 1001. Whatever, you know, let's just come up with a random number and throw it, you know, see what happens. Mike, we would have to live inside the structure. And if the previous governor had not turned us upside, upside down politically and and forced this battle over the PFD, first of all, we wouldn't have had so many nasty battles because it, it is it has done exactly what Jay Hammond imagined it would. The militant ring to protect the PFD has been active, but it's caused political chaos in this state, right? And so if we had not had that, as part of the battle, we would have already, because of the spending of where we are right now, your legislators would have already had to be coming to you, the people, and say, we're going to have to enact sales, that we're going to have to enact income, that we're going to have to tax you like crazy to pay for all this increase in spending. Now, isn't that something, Mike, because if we would have had to come to you for all this spending and not have this easy money tap that we could just go draw from like an ATM card given out to free to legislators, oh, just take the PFD, just take more of the PFD, keep taking it, keep taking it. Because, you know, it's the, the judiciary has said we could break the law. Oh, you're legislators. You don't have to follow the law. You make it. You can break it all day long. You, you just do what you want. And that's the problem, Mike. Instead of having to have the hard conversation where we have to come after you for taxes to pay for the spending, right now we've had an easy money tap. 
And so one of the biggest problems of, of going after the PFD, like we like we were allowed to do now by the previous governor and the judiciary, is we haven't had to constrain that spending. Right. We've had the easy ability to just take this money. And so right. that spending pressure, that spending cap has been yeah. has been taken away. It's, it's terrible. The, it's the easy pot. And we've talked about that here on the program that, you know, it'll be two years, maybe three years. And then the next thing you'll hear is, well, free rides die hard. And you know what? You Alaskans, you've had a free ride for too long. You should start paying your fair share. That's what we'll hear. I mean, that's exactly what's I'm, coming. I'm, I've been saying it for years here, yeah. Mike. It's coming. We're saying it. And it's, it is unfortunately going to happen because you're we we simply have nowhere else to go yep. with the spending rate we're increasing and you wait and see how much money you're going to generate from our 300,000 working people in the state <laughs> this isn't texas or florida with 30 or 40 million people draw from brother yeah this is a couple hundred thousand and half the states on medicaid yeah you know, well, and welfare uh, yeah types of, no assistance <laughs> all right well <laughs> hold, hold the line hold the line uh mike shower is our guest he apparently is up to full speed at this point. We're going to be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. Listen to by more staffers in Juno than any other show. Because their bosses told them to. And after what they just heard, oh man, they're going to be pissed. You're a bad, bad man. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Mike Showers, our guest. Uh, <laughs> I think you finally found third gear, man. I mean, I think you finally found it. It was, uh, you were reaching for it and you finally made it through. But you're not wrong, Mike. You know what gets me about this whole thing on the education thing, though? is they keep harping on the per-student funding, per-student funding. That's all, the, that's all they talk about, per-student. And yet there is not a single mandate that these dollars need to be spent on the actual students. Instead, I mean, it, 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 most of this is going to go to overhead. Most of this is going to go to administrative staff and buildings and everything else. But the way they frame it is, oh, it's the per-student cost. And so when anybody hears about it and they think, oh, yeah, each student could use an extra three or four or five or six hundred bucks, you're right. That's good. And yet it never gets – I mean, it's, it's all smoke and mirrors at this point, all smoke and mirrors. Well, Mike, that's how they have to frame the debate, right? If they frame the debate in the way you and I just talked about it, where we're showing people the real numbers, the math, what it adds up to, how this is unaffordable in the long run, well, that's not going to exactly bolster their argument to get more money, right? This is the part of having a minority voice. This is the part of why it's so frustrating and unethical that the Senate majority did to the minority. The minority is supposed to have that extra voice. To be able to go stand up on the floor and be in committees and talk, you know, have that minority voice on every committee where we could go, well, guys, I mean, let's let's talk about this. You know, I mean, we should have a minority voice on the education committee. We should have had a minority voice in the finance committee. And we could have at least highlighted these things and somebody would have been saying, wait a minute, you want to spend how much? Do you know what this is going to cost us? Did you guys look in the future and add this to our total budget? It's not 88 million. It's 175 million or it's 400 million or it's going to be half a billion. And then this other bill on that and the increase is going to be three quarters of a billion dollars in a couple of years from now, we're going to have to take in every penny and then we're going to have to tap. I mean, the point is 
it doesn't support their narrative. We haven't been given a voice in the process to look at these bills as they go through. So there's some counter voice. The whole thing is a setup in the Senate right now, Mike, where nobody wants to discuss the truth or almost nobody. And they're not being honest with the people about where this is taking us down the road. It's all about payback to people that help certain people get elected. It's all about payback to the big unions that run the state. Um, and you asked before, you know, have I batten down that's like, no, you think I care? You think I care one iota what they think? I'm worried about the future of the state, Mike. They clearly could care less because they want to bankrupt it for their own pocketbook. And unfortunately, what's most frustrating is it's not even for the teachers. I'm actually with the teachers, if I had said here, for months, for a year plus now. Because the teachers are not getting the benefit of this. And we're throwing money at the same system that we've increased spending by one third in the last 20 plus years in the state. But teachers have gotten little of it. And you're going to throw money at the same system and think, well, yeah, let's increase the BSA. Yay for the teachers. The teachers and kids are running through the halls here going, give us more money. I'm like, why? It's, what I vote for in this is no guarantee it's going to you. Do you understand that? Because clearly I don't think you do. Right. That we're going to give this money to the same system that took it from you and did not give it to the teachers. They increased all kinds of costs, Mike, administrators, support, new buildings, new this, whatever. But the teachers certainly have not gotten it or they wouldn't be here complaining about the lack of a pay raise, even though we've increased spending by a third. So do the math, folks. Why would I vote yes on that? Right. It doesn't make sense, Mike. And, and it's the same thing with the PFD. I'm going to put another statute for a statutory PFD. We don't have the money. I'll tell you right now. It, it'd get voted down because, well, how are you going to pay for it? Well, we would have to draw money from the ERA or the CBR, and nobody's going to want to do that. I'm telling you right now. Or, or if, reduce, if will, or reduce spending or reduce spending in some other component of government. I mean, that, no, that they that, won't do that. That's every, every one of those will get shot and down. They will get shot down. And I'll put in reductions of spending. I'll put in the statutory. I'll put in the pity. They will get shot down. I guarantee it. Um, and you will focus virtually all of our money on the public sector yeah. with little to no concept or support for the private sector that actually without we a got, private sector, we, get it. we don't get it. have a public sector. We got to go. Why? I'm on a roll. Come I on, don't stop me. Let me, let me. Come on. Come on. Silence. <laughs> Silence is golden. All right, here we Silence, go. Silence, you. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. You got me wired up. Go on. Public enema number one. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, enemy. Public enemy number one, which makes more sense. On the other hand, he's a little bit of a pain in the uh, Michael Duke Show. Uh, yep, that's me. <clears throat> a little bit of pain in the whatever, although not nearly... As big of a pain as State Senator Mike Schauer, apparently. He's down there lighting the world on fire. Um, and uh, we were just, you know, again, the, the irony of this whole situation that I was just telling Mike was, you know, we keep talking about this and we've been talking about this for the last year now, year and year and a few months, how this base student allocation is, you know, it's for the children and we need this per pupil amount and it needs to be per student and it's per child and it's per, and it's always about the children. But in the long run, most of this money doesn't end up in the kids, doesn't end up, you know, it's not in the classroom. It's not helping the teachers. It's not helping the children. It's helping bulk out and pay for the administrative 
overhead, the fluff, the buildings, the, the you know, all these other things. Uh, I mean, I saw the comment from uh, somebody when the governor made his comment about HB1 or SB140, how he wasn't going to support it. And he was upset because he didn't get his teacher bonuses. And one of the people was like, uh, one of the legislators was like, oh, well, we can get teacher bonuses. Yeah, I'm, I'm in favor of that. But, you know, we also need bonuses for the teacher's aides and for the custodians and for the administrators. And and I'm like, we're not having problems getting those people. We're only having problems getting and keeping teachers. That's the problem. Why do you want to? Oh, because it's all about bulking up the pay for the education industrial complex in this state. Mike, but I go back to the plain numbers. If you're going to do this, the math has to work. And ultimately, much like defined benefits, you're putting us on the hook forever with these increases with a state that does not have the size or the resiliency or the depth of a private sector to pay for these things in the long run. And I go back to when you look at the industry that has essentially funded us for decades, the oil and gas industry has shrunk. We are putting less right now than a quarter of the oil through the taps pipeline that we used to at its peak. Yes, there are some projects coming online that might increase it by a few hundred thousand barrels. That's about where we are with the current, you know, portion of the federal government's hostility towards Alaska, or as Dan Sullivan calls it, the war in Alaska from the Biden administration, which is absolutely true. So without having that, how can you legitimately, as a government official, an elected official, look at this and go, this is a wise plan? Let's set ourselves up with no support for the private sector. Let's set ourselves up in the future so we're not going to be able to pay the bills with the increases we're giving. And let's vote all this and give ourselves a pay raise while we're at it last year. And then let's all go retire to Hawaii and have a good time while Alaska crumbles. I mean, is that your plan? Because it feels that way sometimes, Mike. I mean, we sit here on this radio program. We've been saying this stuff for years. Talk, 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 talk. I'm so tired of talking because we know what the problems are. I'm, I want to see action. I want to make things work, but you have a majority of this legislature in both bodies, it seems, or a lot of times, because the House was like the Senate for six years previously, and now the Senate's like the House was before, where we have this detachment from reality, I guess, of what we're doing here can work, that we have a strategic plan, that we have policies in place that are going to make the math balance and the politics work. And we're not, because the spending we are proposing and voting in, Mike, isn't going to work in the long run. The only reason it's working right now is because we're taking something that was promised for the people and voted on by the people many, many decades ago, the permanent fund dividend, as we were talking about before the break and during it. And that's been our money tap. We can go, woohoo, go back, yay, you know, it's, we, we overspent a little bit. We're out having a party, you know, we're out on the town. Hey, just go pull your ATM out, get another couple hundred bucks, you know, no big deal. That's what we're doing right now. Hey, we're a billion dollars short. No, just go take it from the PFD, go draw the money out. It's fine. We got plenty. We can't be out, out of money. We, can do it. we can't be out of money. We've <laughs> still got checks left. I mean, how could we be out of money? Still checks on the checkbook. That's right. So, right. But you know, Mike, how frustrating it is to just sit here and talk about it and put in amendments and watch them get voted down and put in, you know, 100 hours of work on a fiscal policy that's completely blown off by the the old guard, if you will, the people here that seem to have a stranglehold on power and talk about all of these great things and opportunities Alaska has if we would 
get out of the way or act on the things that we should act on to make it doable. And just nothing happens. It's literally SOS, same old stuff, different day, no changes. And it, I, <laughs> I just look at my kids and my grandkids and I, I want to go, sorry, sorry, guys. I, I wish that we were enacting some common sense. I wish there was any common sense left in Juno. I wish we were going to enact policies that were going to make this state sustainable and stable so you would have a great place to work and live in the future. And right now, I can't, I can't say that. I got to look at them and go, guys, I don't know what we're going to leave you. Right now, we're possibly leaving you a bucket of goo because we're not the ones that are going to have to suffer and figure out how to make this work. We're setting them up to fail right now, Mike. I mean, I, it, that's the reality. This, and it's just, honestly, brother, it's just pure math. I'm not making this up. This isn't a political thing. This shouldn't be a partisan issue. <laughs> you should be looking at the math and going, this isn't sustainable, guys. Right. We no. can't keep doing this. But n most people are just like, huh? What? Whatever. Woohoo! Hit the brakes. Or, I mean, I'm hit the throttle. I should hit the brakes. I wish we hit the brakes. Hit the throttles, man. Full burner. Let's go. We're, we're, we're reaching the space falls ludicrous speed. You know, we've used that on the program many times. I thought we were reaching ludicrous speed a couple of years ago. Apparently, there's a setting beyond ludicrous speed. It's like, you know, infinity. Speed. Ultra ludicrous speed. I mean, that's kind of ultra ludicrous. Yeah, ultra ludicrous speed. But is look at it, Mike. Oil, gas, coal, fishing, logging, production, how close we are compared to China. Cheap energy we can have on our plate. We could be providing minerals that would be a strategic advantage, something nobody ever talks about. Alaska is so much more important than it's all. We just need some economic development. We just need a few mines and some, drill a few more wells and we'll be good to go. We can barely hang on by our fingernails for the next we shouldn't be barely hanging on mike we should be again the texas of the north we should be booming that the whole country go thank god we've got alaska because they ought to be looking at us and going oh man boy, you guys are supplying cheap energy you guys got it booming up there because you're you know five kilowatts cent an hour for electricity people can come up and produce stuff up there you guys got a stable state you're on the step all as well you know you're meeting outside of juno with your legislature where it's cheaper the people can actually have access this is my dream world of course and not not around but you should be where well, they should be going. Again, thank God we got Alaska because we got you know access to minerals and rare earth metals and all the wood we would ever need. And we've got uh, cheap oil coming in and natural gas with, and, our, and our allies down in Japan and South Korea going, whew, thank goodness for Alaska, you know, in America, because it's our hedge against China. You know, what, but instead, it's like, oh, we're going to give another quarter of a billion to the education industry. And um, um, that's our plan. What? What? That's your plan? <laughs> Ghostbusters? Get her? That was your whole plan. Mike, it's 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 boggling. Isn't it boggling? You think it, about where we well, could be, where we should be, what we should be doing, and we're doing none of it, and we're running in the other direction. So first of all, you, craziness. you've reached super cruise speed. So uh, now that you're at super cruise, we're <laughs> you started gonna, it. Well, no, but I mean, look, you and I are totally in agreement on this. I mean, it is simple arithmetic. All you have to do is look at the OMB's 10-year projection and realize we cannot continue to go the direct. I mean, everything from this year moving forward for the next 10 years is deficits, deficits, ever-increasing deficits. I mean, it just gets bigger from here. And it, it only gets to a point within the next two or three years where even if they take the entire permanent fund, there's nothing left and still a hole. I mean, that's a, and, and what's the what's the old axiom? You know, if you want to, you know, if you want to get out of a hole, the first thing you do is stop digging. No, these guys have got a power shovel down at the bottom and they're just throwing stuff out going, we'll make it one day. It'll be fine. 
I mean, that's the problem. Nobody wants to look at the they want to they want to appease everyone. They want to benefit all their constituencies and the special interests and do all these kind of things. And nobody wants to acknowledge the fact that there is not enough money in the kitty in the now or in the future moving forward. It only gets worse to fix this. Nobody's willing. Nobody is asking the question, as Brad Keithley says, who pays? Nobody's asking that question. I am. Yeah. Well, you are. You are. I mean, but but no. Of us. But, but that's we're a it. Voice in the wilderness. We, like, again, we feel like a voice in the wilderness. We're pissing into the wind and, and wondering why we're all wet. That's exactly what's happening right now. Well, again, I say, Mike. In, in some cases, this should be a, an adult discussion in this building, in this place, including the unions and the big union bosses and their folks that are coming through here demanding more money. They should be looking at this as adults and going, okay, sit down. What's going to work? How are we going to make this sustainable in the long run? And the reality is they are gobbling up every penny for themselves. That's what they're doing, Mike, because they're not thinking about the children, right? They're not. Because if they were thinking about the children, they would be pushing for policies that will balance the budget and would constrain growth and spending moving forward of state government and municipality governments so that there will be a place for their children to and grandchildren to stay and work. The only jobs are gonna be available, Mike, are gonna be government jobs the way we are going because with all of the potential we have, we're blowing it. Because places, I mean, you get this from business people all the time. I'd love to do this. We wanna build here and invest here and do that, but I can't. Or, you know, the regulations are in the way, but you can see the state or the federal government are stopping us from doing it. Or they're like, well, you know, you guys are really not, uh, you know, <laughs> What are you going to do for taxes next year or five years from now? I said, I got news for you. I'll tell you what I think we're going to do, but I don't, I don't really want to tell you because then you're not going to want to invest here, right, moving forward. I mean, the problem, Mike, is that we – a problem, the problem, we have more than one problem, is we just aren't thinking logically. We're not thinking like adults that have to balance a checkbook. We're thinking like kids that go, hey, mom and dad just keep getting you know, like rich kids. That's what we're thinking like, Mike, like rich kids. Hey, we don't worry about it, man. We just keep spending money. We run out, mom and dad will save us, right? In the past, it was all the oil industry. Let's turn the oil industry in. They'll give us more money because they're, they're cranking it out, right? The problem is that's, that's gone away as an option, Mike. Mom and dad are really the rich kids' parents that don't have any money anymore, and their rich kids don't know it yet. That's kind of what we are, right? So they go, we just go back to stick and keep cranking money out, and we're, we're living on borrowed time, and we are. And we're just going to go back and keep taking more and more money from it until it's too late. And we're the rich kid. And all of a sudden, we're going to be, why? how, how can we move out of the house? And we're all driving four Pintos now. Right. Well, because we, we ran ourselves out of money. And we right. were the legislators. Instead of being common sense, going, wait a minute, uh, we need to stop this and fix it. We're going, no, no, no. Throw full throttle, baby. Spend it. Party to the last possible second. Right. And then we'll deal with it. Well, we won't deal with it. Our kids will deal with it. And that's very frustrating. It's like the Adams so. family, too. Why did we move out of the mansion and are living in a crappy motel now? Well, it's because we just didn't do I mean, that's the thing. Nobody is looking at the math because math doesn't lie. Math and arithmetic, they don't lie. They've got it's the like the most powerful thing in the universe right behind compounding interest and there you go. Mike Shower is our guest. Uh we're going to continue here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Uh one final segment where Mike will really let his hair down and tell us what he really thinks. <laughs> I don't even know what to say at this point. All right, we got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show. 
Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Back with more right after this. Oh, tomorrow's show, I forgot to mention it earlier, Emma Camp from Reason Magazine is going to be in hour one. We're going to be talking about free speech and what Americans really think about free speech. And it is terrifying. We'll talk about that tomorrow. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio, back with Mike Shower right after this. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. I didn't realize that they put, I didn't realize that they put afterburners in a Pinto. You know what I mean? Uh, didn't, didn't realize. I drove a Pinto in high school. Mike. I know that was five hundred bucks. I know that was the point. That was, was what we were trying to make. Um, that was, was stick shift that you could pull out. It was the original club. That's how nobody could steal it. Not that anybody wanted to steal it. Yeah, five hundred dollar banged up Pinto, but you, know, you couldn't steal it because I took the stick shift with me. So. You took <laughs> took the shift, put it in my put it in my locker at school. Nobody can steal my car because here it is. That's right. That's right. Um. Mike, I mean, I feel like uh, I literally feel like I'm alone in a room shouting into the void. That's I mean, I mean, half the time when I'm doing this show, that's I mean, I love the chat room for this reason alone. At least I get a little feedback. But for years, I felt like I was in an empty room shouting into the void over this kind of stuff. Because you're right. Nobody is looking at the long term consequences. It's all the short term who can I who can I pay off? Who can I who can I uh, uh, you know cuddle up to with whatever my vote is? What what special interest can I mollify? Nobody's looking at what does this cost in the long run? And and I don't know how we can look ourselves in the mirror. I don't know how some of these legislators can look themselves in the mirror and say this is the best thing for us, unless of course I guess your plan is to. Get what you can get, and then retire and move out of state before the yogurt hits the oscillating rotor. I suppose, Mike. I mean, like I said, I mean there are legislators. I mean, it's not nobody. There are some of us that are looking at this and trying to reduce spending. Some of us trying to pass, you know, comprehensive fiscal policy. Some of us trying to protect the PFD. The problem is, like all things, this is a numbers game. There can be twenty of us in the House and ten of us in the Senate trying to protect it. It doesn't matter. Because it's going to fail, right? You don't have enough numbers. You got to have that 21, 11, and one. And I always, you know, include the three in the Supreme Court now because they seem to shoot down anything good, right? So it's not all of us, but it's not enough of us because we have a system. When I have people yelling at me back in district at town halls and meetings and stuff, and you need to do this and you need to do that, I'm like, well, how do you expect me to do that? Because we don't have the votes to do it. We've tried many times and we just keep getting voted down and i'm like you want me to storm the gates with an ar-15 well that's not what i said well yeah but it's like that's you're acting like that's what you want me to do we have a system of government and right now we're kind of stuck with it and we have too many people that aren't interested in protecting the pfd too many legislators that aren't interested in reining in spending for the future too many legislators that are happy to just spend away and, and set us up for failure down the road or you know, they're anti-private sector. They don't want to be involved in things that are good. There's so much of that. There's just not enough. There are some good legislators that are trying. 
but you're outnumbered, Mike. And and when we keep electing more Republicans, and yet the Republicans routinely join with the Democrats and give them power, it just you just you scratch your head and go, what is what is in the water up here? <laughs> we are, it must be the fluoride, Mike. I mean, what was that with the Doctor Strangelove? The fluoride is sucking our bodily fluids. And I mean, what what the? We're just I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, Ale- it's oh, Alex anyway. Jones. The fluoride in the water is turning the frogs gay. I mean, you know, whatever it is, yeah. it's you know something um, weird. You know this yeah. whole this whole thing, uh, Mike. Though is is definitely frustrating, and we're watching this more and more. And now, of course, the outcry of oh, the governor. He could be a Dave. Dave just sent me the ed- education industry is already sending out emails marshalling the legislators to say, oh, you need to do a veto override. Oh, the governor, tell the governor he could be an education hero. Although I will say that there is a subtle difference here, and Donna mentioned it here a minute ago. Let me go back here to what Donna said, which I hadn't really considered. <clears throat> and that's why that's why they pay Donna the big bucks. She said, I didn't hear the governor say, give me a new bill with a lower BSA, charter school language, and teacher bonuses. I heard, give me an additional bill with teacher bonuses and charter school language. Subtle, but the latter is going to cost more. And I hadn't thought about it that way, but she's not wrong. He didn't say, change this bill and give it back to me. What he said was, I need to see a bill with the rest of it, which means... It's going to be even more, M-O-A-R, more. Well, of course, that is, in fact, what he said. You notice anywhere in my diatribe that we've been talking, am I assuming that the BSA is going to fail unless he vetoes the whole thing? But that's not what he said. And we didn't we didn't have a chance to talk about that yet. Mike did not say he was going to um, veto this bill because of the BSA or the cost increase. Mike said he wanted to see the things that he wanted, some of which are for improvements, right? Charter school stuff, et cetera. But he didn't say he supported a lower BSA. He said he didn't get the things he wanted in the bill that he thinks are important for the overall education system. So there is a finely nuanced difference. But once again, I go back to where Donna is not wrong, is that that just means even more money. Right. Further which, and faster taking us down the which, path which of, I think um, we need by fiscal insolvency. Yeah, no, I think we need to talk about that here as we jump back in. Ten seconds. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like, share, subscribe, ring the bell. Get more people involved in this, man. I, I mean, I don't know how to do that other than share the show. All right, here we go. <laughs> Okay, um, one final segment. Mike Shower is our guest. Um, and in the chat room, Donna made a valid point, which we just touched on right before we came back here. And I, and I really hadn't considered this until just now. Donna said, I didn't hear the governor say, give me a new bill with a lower BSA, charter school language, and teacher bonuses. I heard him say, give me an additional bill with teacher bonuses and charter school language. It's a subtle difference. But the latter is actually going to cost more because that would keep everything in SB 140 and then whatever the new bill is would then be even more on top of that. Which leads me to my question, Michael. Shouldn't we just um, 
you know, why don't we just give them a $2,000 BSA increase? I mean, if we're going to do it, let's just go for broke. I mean, if we, if the only way this whole thing is going to come unstuck is that we got to hit rock bottom, let's just give them a $2,000 BSA increase. Let's give them anything that they want and then see what happens in 24 months. How about that? Maybe that's, maybe that's the answer. The problem with that, Mike, is that too many of them would say, sure. <laughs> and it's okay. Yeah, do it. Because it's it's almost the well, you know, it's the me syndrome, right? The me song, me, 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 me. You do that, and people go, "Yep, give it to me," and I'll take it right now, you know. Uh, and who cares about the consequences? Because I got mine. It's like the NIMBYs, right, out in the West Sitting Access Road. See people talk about, "I don't want to develop it out here," you know. I mean, build that mine somewhere else, you know, or that economic development, or put that windmill somewhere where I can't see it, you know. I mean. While I sit in my my mansion in Martha's Vineyard with all of my rich friends, you know, complaining about the environment, while I sit in my twenty thousand square foot mansion and flying around in my private jet, my big limousines with all those people with guns protecting me behind high walls. But you little people out there, you should eat bugs. I mean, it's, it's literally what we're dealing with, Mike. I got mine, right? And so everybody else shouldn't. And the problem with that, and and I see what you're saying, and there is some logic to it, right? So, well, let's just burn it all down now while we still have some wealth and an ability and a financial structure behind it that we could potentially rebuild it and rise like a phoenix from the ashes. But I fear that we would just crash. <laughs> and I don't think we have the wisdom to figure out how to rebuild it in this state based on our previous um, track record, if you will. So I, I understand what you're saying. And I get a little bit of facetiousness, but I also get that you're partially serious. Burn it down now and show them what's going to happen. But the problem is I think too many people go, yeah, do it. Yeah, woohoo, I got mine. I mean, Mike, when you look at the report, from the Anchorage School District, and they complain about they don't have enough money, but they're very young and inexperienced, and quite frankly, unqualified school district superintendent is getting almost three hundred thousand dollars a year for his salary and a car stipend and living stipend. This, that, and the other. What's the problem? The teachers aren't getting that. The principals are getting that, although the principals have a decent salary. I mean, the teachers are getting what sixty, seventy thousand a year, I think, maybe or less. And you have superintendents with and a whole bunch of other officials in the school system with significant six-figure salaries. He's one of the most highest-paid um, officials in the state. So I go back to I'm like I don't know that we could spend every penny, you know, there and dedicate it. And I think they're just going to go fine, and they're going to come right back. And, well, you know, now the rest of you rich people, you know, making more than twenty-five thousand dollars a year, you're rich. You, you need to pay your fair share. And I think that's what would happen. I think we'd spend every penny, Mike, and all these different unions and the others out there, and they would give, give us more. They're never going to stop. I think the system would come crashing out. It'd be Atlas Shrugged. They'd still be up there partying at the top, eating their caviar, drinking fancy wine, and the system would crumble around. They'd go, I don't care. Give me more. I mean, literally, did you watch, I mean, ever read those books, Atlas Shrugged? I mean, they're partying to the very end. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. the house is burning down around them, and they're still partying, having a good time. Say, so give me more. I don't think I, I I don't think they would recognize that, Mike. I don't think burning it down would work because they'll ride the train until the they'll be on the Titanic until the last until the flag goes under at the end. Right. And, and I, saying, I got mine. I, ice, I don't know. Yeah. I don't iceberg, what uh, iceberg? I don't see any iceberg. Just uh, keep just keep playing. Just keep playing on. No. And yeah, again yeah, with that's the frustration, again, Mike. What do we do? Fix it. Well, and know? with no counter voice, with no counter voice in the legislature because they're not allowing 
the minorities in the Senate to do anything at this point. Um, it's just going to, this is just going to, we knew that this session was going to be frustrating. All right. Uh, I mean, I, I, we, we knew this, you and I have talked about this. We knew that this, se- this session was going to be frustrating, but at some point you got to go, dang, man. I mean, this frustrating, this level of, of, of chicanery and, and, and BSery. I mean, this is where we needed to be. I, I mean, I wish there was an answer, but people, you know, the, the problem is, is that this program, that people who listen to this program, we're a minority at this point. Because now you've oh, got a prepon- you've got a pre- yeah you've got a preponderance of people in this state who are either directly working for government or working for companies who benefit from government, and this self fulfilling prophecy is just going to continue until the wheels come off the bus. I think. I mean, at this point, I just don't see it changing. Or unions that are going to keep pushing to take that money, right? Um, because we are a union controlled state. And let's let's be honest, okay. We're being honest today. Let's be honest. We're not being adults. We're not balancing the checkbook. We're not doing what is for our children, no matter what they say that all the time. They say it's for our children. No, it's not, because you're going to bankrupt your children, and you're a part of it, Mr. Union, Mrs. Union Leader. You're a part of it, Mr. Government Official. You're a part of it, Mr. Chamber of Commerce or Mrs. Chamber of Commerce or Alaska Municipal League. We're all part of it, Mike. Nobody gets to escape culpability on this one except the average private sector worker that has no seems to have no voice in the system, right? We're all doing this. I look at Chamber of Commerce and they're like, oh, we're a Chamber of Commerce. You would think being business oriented, they'd be like, you know, uh, private sector and they would be, you know, like for fiscal responsibility. What's one of their things? Um, we were talking about in our minority meeting the other day. Well, they've had on their list for like 25 years, you know, a constitutional spending cap or a spending cap. Like, How's that working out for you? You guys keep supporting the same politicians Sending them back to Juno year after year after year, the same politicians that won't enact a fiscal plan. And then you continue to put up there, well, this is one of our priorities. Why don't you take your words and your supposed principles and positions and turn them into action? Stop supporting the same politicians you're sending back that never enact a spending cap or a comprehensive plan. Mike, see, everybody's got some culpability in this. The people that vote for the same people because they just look at it and they're lazy and they go up oh, just, you know, and the people are just as responsible for this. They're sending some of the same people back. Some, yeah. some, of, some of them, not all, right? I mean, we've changed out a lot of people, but I mean, it just, there is responsibility and yeah. plenty of blame to go around. And it's so frustrating to go, man, we have so much, and go back to the end how we started. There is so much potential in this state. <laughs> so to much. boom and so to be, to be on yeah. the step. And we just won't enact policies and do the math that that will make it so that we could be booming. And it is so incredibly frustrating to be watching so much potential. It's like watching your kid and go, this kid could be the next Heisman trophy winner. And they just want to sit in the house and and play it on Xbox instead of going out there and doing the work and, you know, and being successful. Right. And it just, you know, you look at all the potential and you go, come on guys, you know, come on. Don't you, don't you see it? Can't you see it? I guess the two, answer is no. I, I don't know. Two minutes. Uh, final thoughts, Mike Shower. Let's just do that. I don't know. What else did we talk about? You had a list of topics, and we could just brush on them for next year, I guess. I mean, we, 140 is appropriate to talk about today because that's the hot topic. That's the, the showing the weakness in the system and how we're going to bankrupt ourselves, and that's the battle. And, you know, I, I don't know if the governor will veto it or not. I don't know if they'll put up another bill in time or not to, to do this. And, you know, so – 
I don't know, Mike, like you said, you know, do you just go full throttle at this point and go just hit the accelerator and spend every penny we've got and show people that we're going to bankrupt ourselves and, and crash the system? I mean, will anybody recognize it? Will anybody do anything before? I mean, working with Donna and others trying to make a difference. We're trying to find things to, to see if we can correct the course of ship, but I don't know that we have the, the wherewithal or desire as a state or as unions and, and others that seem to control this place the, the ability to, to break out of that mold, um, I don't know. But, you know, then, frankly, Mike, really, that's a that's a problem at the federal level, too, right? Oh, you know, yeah. Federal government's spending like crazy, setting us up for it. China's got some things we could talk about, like fentanyl oh. production south of it. Just there's a whole, blood money. Look, there's a whole lot of monkey see. Oh, there's a whole lot of monkey see, monkey do going on right now with the federal government and everything else and what they're doing. And all the states, it seems like, are following suit. I mean, I don't know if you heard the latest. California is their newest budget deficit prediction is like $84 billion or something. I mean, it's just like, okay, you just, none of this can continue indefinitely. I mean, they can band-aid it for a while, but the yogurt's eventually going to hit the rotor, and then what are you going to do? It just, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, you know. We're going to have to face it sooner or later. I just hope we face it and do something better for our kids, Mike. That's uh, why we're here in the fight, right? I, I'm leaving something better. So I would hope try. so. Gotta I would try. hope so. And I'd almost be in favor of watching the whole thing burn down now, like you said, when we still have some resources left to be to build back. If they bleed us dry and then it comes apart, I just don't know what we do. All right, we got to go. Emma Camp with Reason Magazine on tomorrow to talk about free speech and more. The Michael Duke Show. <laughs> Started off a little slow, ended with a flamethrower. Um, anything else, Mike? You got anything left in the tank or is that it? Are you all played out? Well, no, I've got plenty, Mike. I mean, you know, that's the thing, right? I mean, you're going to get fired up when you get frustrated about, I mean, it's, this isn't really all that hard. The math isn't hard to do. It's simple. I mean, Naresh and I just built a nice little sheet. We said, here's the money available. Here's how we're spending it. Here's what's going to happen in the next few years. Okay, let's do something about it. Crickets. Spend more. Woo! Yeah, I'm just like, what? Yes. I, I don't know, Mike. I mean, that that's the part that just vexes you as a parent, as an adult, as somebody that has to, you know, balance my own budget in the house, you know, with the wife every month. It is incredibly frustrating to watch this and go, this would be like us buying stuff we couldn't afford and then going, well, the, the, your accountant goes, yep, can't afford it. You're going to run out of money. Okay, we're going to buy another house in Hawaii. What? <laughs> it's like, yeah. you're just scratching your head. You know, yeah. it's like, what, what are we doing here? I mean, just... Any sense of normalcy or common sense seems to live you. Like I told you, Mike, this is a stranger thing. I'm living in the upside down. I'm living. Everything that the normal yeah. person would do or have to do, <laughs> not here. It's upside down. That's what I'm Well, and like I said before, and like you've said before, there's plenty of blame to go around from the chambers to the Republican Party itself to, you know, constituents that really aren't paying attention and just keep sending the same people back over and over and over. We change out 60% of the legislature, and we've got a kernel of people in there who are just doing the same things and expecting different results. That is the definition of insanity as far as that goes. So, I mean, I just... It is, and frankly, Mike, some of the new ones just jump right on board with it, too. It's not like yeah. it's just the old guard that's been here forever controlling it. A lot of the new ones coming in are jumping right on board with the go along to get along and spend money. A lot of them are beholden to unions just like before. I mean, so even though we're changing some faces, you really kind of have almost the same person, which, ironically, when you think about it, isn't all that unexpected because the districts are kind of like that, right? Right, Again, right. Are we getting the government we deserve? Maybe we are, Mike, because this is what we're doing to ourselves. 
So I don't know. Well, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what tomorrow brings. I I just I don't even know what to say at this point. I'm just so frustrated with the whole thing. Like I said, I feel like I'm I'm feel like I should be in the train. You know, we could see the bridges out, and every I'm trying to say put the brakes on, and everybody's just shoveling more coal into the box. And at some point, I just want to grab a shovel and say, "Hold my beer." Here we go. I mean, just you know, let's just just well, just keep I'm, shoveling it in. I'm trying to lay some tracks at the vert track, you know, the train to the right at the last minute. Whether we can lay them in time and have the ability to divert the train, I don't know, Mike. But we are trying. We are looking at structural stuff, and we won't give up. We're going to keep trying to lay down those tracks and keep it from going over the over the cliff. But you know, some people seem insistent on pushing us over the cliff, and where it goes, you know, it's hard to predict yeah, the future. I don't know. Exactly. We're not going to give up. We're going to keep trying to, to correct the course. But um, like I said, you do get the government you vote for. And and we keep sending these people that don't seem to want to correct the course of the ship as uh, at least not enough of us, I should say. I don't, yeah. I don't want to broad brush everybody. Right. I'm not. So we keep trying. We'll keep talking about it and we'll see. It's going to be calm, I think, for a little while after this next two weeks, because we got the override votes coming up with the executive orders of the governor which is going to come up at about the same time as this 140 and whatever else the legislature tries to do to, to salvage this mess. Um, that's all going to come up in the next couple of weeks. So that's going to be contentious. We're going to be flooded with lobbyists again from the NEA. I know it and the other big unions that want their money um, for a couple of weeks. And then I predict it might get kind of quiet. I don't think there's a lot of contentious stuff after that. I don't think for a little while um, until the big, but you know, the budget stuff comes up towards the end of session. So. Um, we'll see, but you know, All right. whatever <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. We'll Mike Shower, thank you so much, my friend. As always, it's great to talk with you. We'll see. next Wednesday. <laughs> we're going to do it again. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I should be. Yeah, Wednesday should be good. We can okay. do that again. All we right. should be good. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. We'll talk right. to you next week. Uh, all right, uh, we got to go. Uh, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Thanks for coming in and joining us. We will see you on uh, Thursday, tomorrow with Emma Camp from Reason Magazine. Have a great day.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 